Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one -on -one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. But before we get this show on the road, I want to say a quick thank you to GPS Radar for making this episode possible. GPS Radar is the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. Late last year, I was honored to be asked by Karen Harvey, CEO of Karen Harvey Consulting Group and founder of Fashion Tech Forum, to participate in the latest Fashion Tech Forum conference in Los Angeles. And besides speaking on the center stage of the forum, I had an all-access pass to interview some of the key speakers at the event. So backstage, between presentations, roundtable talks, and motivational speeches, I got to pick the brains of some of the leading minds of the fashion and tech industries. The first of these interviews that I want to share with you is with Jeff Carvalho. He is the managing editor of one of the coolest, street-savvy, and innovative fashion websites online today, High Snobiety, which counts a global audience of 12.5 million monthly readers. Jeff is also a partner at Tidal Media, which owns High Snobiety. He joined in 2007 when the company's founder and CEO, David Fisher, brought him on board not only to oversee the website, but also develop other print and online content and brand partnerships. The company has worked with some of the hottest brands of today, from Louis Vuitton and Nike to Mercedes-Benz and Levi's. Jeff is considered to be an expert in streetwear culture and is often asked by publications like the New York Times and the Business of Fashion to comment on this growing market and its influence on fashion and luxury on a broader scale. And I have to tell you, I understand why those publications want to hear from Jeff. We spoke right after he had interviewed designer Virgil Oboa and Henrik Moss, creative lead at IKEA, about the IKEA and Off-White collaboration that will soon debut. In rapid-fire, well-thought-out answers to my questions, Jeff proved himself to be a skilled speaker who wasn't distracted in the slightest by the background noise of the venue or the fact that Virgil, Will I Am, and Josie were milling about around us. I basically just sat back and let him loose to explain the success of his site, explore the idea of jet stream influencers, and discuss how the way we use and consume products and news is continuing to evolve. So hold on to your seat and get ready for a ride into the future. So Jeff, thank you so much for talking with me. Sure. Really appreciate it. Um, can you tell me a little a bit about um, the site? Because for those of us who don't use it yet. Sure. Uh, it's it, we are a men's focused um, trend lifestyle site mm -hmm. covering uh, essentially the products that today's guy is um, you know wrapping their lives around. Mm -hmm. And what we're saying there is essentially that. You know, fashion is very important today with men. Certainly style is important, of course, and the fashion that, that serves it in. But it's not just that world, you know. The gentlemen that read our site um, are also very much into, the, you know, the great things in life. But what's interesting is that we tend not to show, say, the more traditional things you would say, you would see. Mm -hmm. we're, we're showing you what we believe to be the very best product that may not be on your radar. Um, the, more, the interesting thing is that while we are male-centric, 30% um, of our audience is, is also female and uh, it shows just how um, how diverse the, the real readership is of what we do and that while you know I think in some ways what's interesting is that we tend to put products into buckets of a genre of a of a sex in some way mm -hmm. that a lot of this stuff tends to cross over um, for both men and women okay um, 
let's talk a little bit about you know from one journalist to another. How is how is it tracking as far as actual reading? Is it more visual or is it more content? I mean, I'm getting this experience that people are much more less interested in reading, want to have bite-sized content and much more visual. What has your experience been? What are you seeing with your site? So we started off as a, tr a real true blog. We were a passion blog in 2005 when we launched. Yeah. Um, and the, the interesting thing about blog was that it was really not so much about, I think a lot of people saw it as a place to write. What we saw it was as a platform, mm -hmm. an ability to be able to put a variety of things up very quickly, publish very quickly, um, to serve our consumer, which is a very hype consumer, and was very hungry at that time for the very best of what was, of what was out there. Mm -hmm. uh, this is also pre-social media, so you know this is when really things like LiveJournal uh, were really driving demand, and certainly platforms like Blogspot, of course, which is where we started. Mm -hmm. um, I think what's what's interesting is that looking back now over 12 years, that we've certainly have evolved the way we do our storytelling, but what's, what we're still committed to is telling the in-depth stories that. Uh, help explain and, and really put into terms what's happening today in trend. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been a, you know, I think there's a, a misbelief or a, I think a misrepresentation of what this consumer is really interested in. And certainly they're into what's in the moment, but the context of what came before is quite important in understanding what's happening today. So while we certainly do cater on platforms and we're very strong on social media, Instagram, Facebook, of course, mm -hmm. where you tend to put bite-sized pieces of content I think Facebook is changing a little bit with video in general, most are in terms of what you can get there, but it's, it's a, pretty much a variety of different um, forms of storytelling. Mm -hmm. So we may not tell the same story that we do on our .com or on Instagram the same way we do on Facebook, and what we tend to do is just tailor to how that story is best served. But at the core of it is that we're committed to telling the real important things of it. And those sometimes can't be told in a 15 second video clip. No, agreed. You know, agreed, agreed. I'll give you an example. We, for instance, just launched our first long form documentary. Um, we have a content series on highsomebody.com where we actually go into a variety of markets all over the world and we buy counterfeit goods. We buy fake goods. So for instance, we've been to uh, Kazakhstan, we've been to, to Sibley, Georgia, we've been to Ghana, and we're buying um, counterfeit versions of uh, Yeezy shoes and Nikes, things that are very hot in our market. And we very much began to sort of just show people what they were and more or less showing that sometimes it's hard to understand which one is real, sometimes it's not. But that actually, that was, that was a long form content series that we did. And from that, we decided that we wanted to explore it even deeper and go into those areas and tell a longer story. And we launched Counterfeit Culture, uh, which is really a look at the counterfeit markets um, in South Korea, mm -hmm. in Seoul specifically, during Fashion Week, mm -hmm. where, for instance, you have a, a fashion show happening on one side of the street, and you can literally buy the counterfeit good that's being shown across the, on the other side of the street. Yeah. And I think that was a really interesting example of where you know, we've seen incredible viewership on those things. Mm -hmm. uh, we just broke a million views on it, but more importantly, our readers want that from us. Mm -hmm. So I think the idea that things have to be very instant and very short and snackable, mm -hmm. certainly there's a moment in your day where you don't have time to watch a long form video. Yeah. What we're betting on is that when we go in depth, that our readers coming back and also watching that in uh, viewing that as well. They want to have that education, they want to have that in-depth Yeah, knowledge. I think that's that's what we offer. You know, we're going to tell you, if something immediate happens, we're going to tell you very quickly what it is. Mm -hmm. um, over the course of the next 24 hours, we're going to do our best to go even more in-depth if the issue is important enough. Let's talk about how in the 12 years things have changed for you. I mean, 
we both speak the same language, so I know what you're going to say is the answer here, but can you talk about the evolution of the site and where are you seeing the biggest shifts happening for your company? I, again, you know, I think that we we didn't we've grown with this we've grown with the course of the market in mm. many ways and the market that we tend to uh, get bottled into is something called streetwear mm -hmm. streetwear is this old term that's been around that really tries to encapsulate this scene and within that scene is a love for sneakers a love for art really the way I look at it is product has brought together a culture in some ways mm -hmm. I think some people have a hard time sort of uh, digesting that sometimes mm -hmm. but you know when a kid is lining up for a pair of shoes it's not just about him lining up for a pair of shoes there's a community there mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so I think what we have we've grown with the pace at which this community has grown and certainly social media has um, catapulted this mm -hmm. in, in many ways uh, if you look at and I was talking earlier uh, on stage with Virgil Abloh and, um, and Henrik Most from Ikea you know the, the demand today for a consumer to be able to uh, look at new things is, is there. And I think social media also helped everyone see the same thing at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's really changed how we actually do our storytelling. What it did really was, you know, uh, instead of just focusing, say, on the primary markets of what fashion or culture is, I think today that's New York, London, or were, mm -hmm. London, New York, Tokyo, and Paris, you know, Social media has helped kids in the middle of nowhere, or at least we assume to be in the middle of nowhere, mm -hmm. you know, be on the same page. So when we go to Tsibli, Georgia, you know, a place that quite honestly, unless you're there, you, or at least you're paying attention, you would assume is not on the same page, and they are. Mm -hmm. Kids around the world are all on the same page today. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's probably the biggest change that we've, we've seen, not only to our growth, is the fact that now we're, um, you know, we're much more accessible than ever. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier that we tend to cater to platforms differently mm -hmm. depending on what we're playing. Mm -hmm. But more than anything, it's that this scene and this culture that we've covered is just bigger than ever. Talk about a little bit about um, monetization. How are you paying the bills at the end of the month? <laughs> are you doing native advertising? What is what is your Sure. I think you know display ads are something that we um, that I think all all properties like ours uh, have, but more and more. Um, you know, because we are a product-based media company, and really product's at the core of it. Mm -hmm. I think the lifestyle stories and the op-eds that we do around that product are quite important to understanding the culture, the kids that are out there. But because product's at the core of what we do, native, native advertising or, or, or branded content has actually, you know, it, it, it actually has a very good place in what we do. Mm. And the way that we sort of uh, look at it is, you know, it's not about taking dollars in for advertising, it's getting the budgets that we need to help tell that story in a manner that we know will be appropriate to our user. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in a, in a traditional in a traditional world, uh, you know, you may just get normal assets, say from a PR house, as an example. Mm -hmm. Or in some cases, we're able to get those products in-house and shoot of ourselves. Mm -hmm. When we work on native content, it really allows us to go beyond the story. So it's not just a blog post. Yeah. It's let's show you our vision of how uh, how we represent this product mm -hmm. and. That's that's a majority of that's a, a big revenue stream for us, of course. Um, but more than ever, more and more, I think like a lot of publishers and certainly media houses, um, we're doing a ton of studio work mm -hmm. uh, where brands are coming to us for our lens. So mm -hmm. they want, they understand that we have a very specific POV and how we not only shoot photography or write. And you know, I think we've been able to help some great brands sort of extend their reach. Um, through our lens. What do you see as the biggest challenge now for you, for the company? 
the biggest challenge today. Yeah. You know, I think with growth is of course important for everybody mm -hmm. and sometimes I think that when we when we spend so much time looking at the data analytics of it that we tend to lose sort of that human touch to what's out there and at the core of what we what high snobiety has always been has been a very human touch thing, you know. Mm -hmm. What we publish on the site is something that I stand behind and my partner David and everyone on our team like we live this world yeah. and we need to remember always that that's at the core of what we're covering. So you know, there's times when there are things that we see out there that, you know, the majority of the world's covering that may be important. I think sometimes, I think now what we tend to think about is be, and be cognizant of is maybe there's another story that we can tell. Uh, because at the end of the day, we want to be a place of discovery for a reader mm -hmm. rather than a place that will firm what you know. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of properties you can go to if you're in the culture that we cover to go and see a, a product that you've purchased and say, okay, great, they're affirming that this is cool and I'm into it. Mm -hmm. Our job is to always remain ahead of that curve and come to be a property where you're essentially discovering something and mm -hmm. learning something you haven't or haven't been exposed to before. And how big is the team now? So we're about 65 globally between two offices, mm -hmm. two large offices. Mm -hmm. Berlin is where we're headquartered. Mm -hmm. uh, we're in downtown Manhattan with a smaller team working on North America and we have two satellites, actually now three satellites, sorry, London, Hong Kong, and Montreal. What? then I guess is exciting you right now. What is the, the next, I mean, we're here at a, we're at a tech conference. Sure. What, are, what are the things that are really, you know, lighting you up and getting you excited about the next steps for your company and how you can use tech and, and where we are in the industry to move forward? Sure, I think we, we talked earlier about how people sort of flow or... What was it, the jet stream, the influencer jet stream? You talked about the influencer jet stream. <laughs> the influencer jet stream is, I think he's onto something interesting there. It's, it's, it's how you actually deliver a story to that reader in a way that feels right mm -hmm. for a phone. So one thing we think a lot about is, you know, I'm using a new iPhone 8 Plus. It has a very large screen. And if you go, you know, when I load High Snobiety today, uh, I think we're still living in the sort of horizontal world, right? Mm -hmm. And is there opportunity for us to think of a more verticalized place? So those are the things that we think a lot about. And more importantly, it's, uh, I think, Things like Snapchat and Instagram stories have shown us that our users tend to play in different ways, you know, a forward touch and a back touch instead of the scroll and swipe. So uh -huh. I think the actual, uh, how we actually use products and consume products is changing. And, you know, what we're looking at is how do we tell the stories that we need to tell in the most visually appealing way? Uh, again, with editorial in the, in the most readable way. Uh -huh. But because all of this is all coming together, we've been talking about the word new media and multimedia for what? 20, 30 years now, yeah. I think now we're at a place where we have devices that are guiding what um, design looks like. Yeah. And how do you service our, you know, how do you service a reader that wants to have a long form story that they, so they understand uh, the history of a graffiti artist mm -hmm. and then serve them a video that gives them a, you know, uh, a little bit more background on it. And maybe they want to hear uh, a short audio interview while they're um, you know, looking through photos. So I think that's the thing that's most exciting is how we're able to serve up our stories mm -hmm. to our reader in a way that just feels right for the for the devices they're on. And then, on, I guess, I guess one last question would be like on a personal note, we're all, everything is fast. We're working twenty four seven. You know, we were talking about um, that our home is our cell phone these right. days. What do you do personally to just step back from all that and and maybe get the creative juices flowing by, maybe? putting that phone down my wife and I shop a lot of vintage oh, me so too. we spend weekends uh, especially in the summers in New England and in New York uh, you know going to flea markets I'm a big denim fan I, I love uh, military gear and she's of course into 
um, women's fashion, mm-hmm. um, certainly into uh, dresses of the 60s, 70s period. And I think that stuff is really cool because it's really inspiring. And mm-hmm. that's sort of how I turn off and kind of remind myself of what came before. And what's cool about that, and I think my the younger the younger guys I have working with me, the men and women I have working with me, uh, probably hear too much from me is when I pull out an old piece of vintage and I'm like, guys, that piece that you're buying from this Japanese brand, here's the inspiration for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's still very much at the heart of, of me. So I'm, you know, I'm still very much excited about the product that we cover. It's, it's, I still, as we say, desire or grail these items. Um, but I, I really, what I love is uh, the older I get in is being that old man that's helping uh, the younger crew understand what came before. Brilliant. Cool. Thank you so Thank you. much. Really a pleasure. Cool. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Fashion Your Seatbelt is made possible thanks to the wonderful people at Launchmetrics, the software company that is powering the fashion industry, and GPS Radar, the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect in style. I am a member of GPS Radar, and I can tell you, as a journalist, it has made my work life run much more smoothly. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.